What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Baseball Connection. So we had some great games last night. I mean, that's really it. I'll jump right into it. I would say the first thing that caught my eye yesterday was Vladimir Guerrero Jr. First, first thing that caught my eye was his home run in the fourth inning, a missile to the second deck, and then he left the yard again later in the game. He hits another home run, this time in the seventh inning, and you're like, wow, this dude is something special. Something about the sound that you hear off the bat of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is just different. There are some hitters who just can get a different kind of sound off of it. And that's what you hear when Vlad hits the ball out. Those are his 37th and 38th home runs of the season, leading the Blue Jays to a 7-3 win over the Orioles. And, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just what the doctor ordered for Toronto. They're still in the hunt. They're still in the hunt for a playoff spot. Obviously, that's going to come in the shape of a wild card berth at this point. But they're four and a half games out of a playoff spot, which is not insurmountable with a month to go. Not insurmountable whatsoever. And they'll have to keep the pressure on and keep going, but it's it's definitely possible, especially since they have all these games against Baltimore right now. Those are some must-win games, and they'll just keep trucking along right there. But Vlad Guerrero Jr., we know that in in most other seasons, he'd be the front runner for the MVP. But Shohei Otani has has stolen that this this year for sure. On the mound, Robbie Ray was on the bump for the Blue Jays. He continued to be quite a steal. Probably one of the best signings of the offseason. And he recorded his 200 strikeout of the year. And he's given Cy Young caliber pitching at least this month. There was a 10 uh, strikeout game yesterday for Robbie Ray. But, you know, he's been he's been awesome. He's been really good. You know, Robbie Ray, you're getting a left-hander with, you know, mid to high 90s fastball. And he can get some strikeouts for you. Get some strikeouts for you. That's definitely a weapon. And he's he's been better than Hunjin Ryu, honestly. He's been as good as advertised, or better than advertised, I should say. Because his season numbers. 271 ERA over 159 innings pitch. So he's eating up innings. He's keeping, you know, obviously keeping runs off the board. And the strikeout numbers. Strikeouts are there too. 202 strikeouts. Keep in mind, Garrett Cole just notched his 200 strikeout a few days ago. So Robbie Ray right now has more strikeouts than Garrett Cole. Just to put it in perspective for you, how well he's pitching this this season. So good stuff. Good stuff. Let's stay in the AL East. And let's head down to St. Petersburg, Florida, where the Rays hosted the Red Sox. Luis Patino was on the mound for Tampa Bay. And, yeah, he was good. I mean, struck out five over five and two-thirds, allowing just one run. And the Rays end up getting a 6-1 victory over Boston. So Luis Patino has been up and down from the majors, the AAA, and back and forth this season. And he's making his claim to stay. I mean, especially for a race team that is going to probably be in the playoffs and probably going to win this division. He's going to want to make that playoff roster and give them the depth that they need. And they definitely need some of that because you remember this team lost Tyler Glass now this year. Um, so once they lost him to Tommy John and they also did not add a starting pitcher at the deadline or a proven starting pitcher at the deadline, a lot of people were asking questions as to how the rotation would hold up down the stretch. Well, now you're seeing guys young guys like Luis Patino and Shane McClanahan really doing their part and showing 
that they can fill that spot. Or hopefully, they want to fill that spot in October and be the go-to arm for the Tempe race. Time will tell, but outings like what we saw last night are exactly what you need to see from a guy like this. So, Patino forced the Red Sox to swing and miss 19 times. That ties a career high he set on July 29 against the Yankees. 17 of those swinging strikes came against his fastball. So, that's good stuff. With, I mean, obviously when you have, you know, with caliber stuff, good sign for a young kid. I think Patino's only like 21 years old too. So, that's also exciting. If you move out west, the Dodgers hosted the Braves. And Julio Urias was on the mound. And he got his 15th win of the season. So we have the regular season winding down to its final month. But Julio Urias leads Major League Baseball with wins. I mean, I know wins are not really a, they're not really a special stat anymore. Nobody really cares about them anymore. But it's interesting. I mean, Urias went six innings on route to this victory. He didn't hold anything back. This was actually his 100th career appearance, but so that's a nice milestone for him. But he allowed two runs on four hits, striking out seven, did not issue a walk. He carried a perfect game into the fifth inning. And then, you know, his fastball curveball changeup mix, that was what he was working with yesterday. Very reminiscent of the way he pitched out of the bullpen in game seven of last year's NLCS against Atlanta. And, you know, he was pitching against Atlanta yesterday, doing some good stuff as well. Mookie Betts, Max Muncy, Will Smith, Seager all went deep last night as the Dodgers rolled to a nice 5-3 victory against Atlanta. Playoff atmosphere in San Francisco. So if we stay out west, you had the Brewers taking on the Giants. The Brewers got the win in this one. I mean, two, two good teams, obviously. But Corbin Burns was on the mound. He punched out nine over six-plus innings and led Milwaukee to its 80th win. And he also pitched in with the bat, too. I mean, showing a little bit of hitting skills there. RBI single in the second inning for Corbin Burns. But I mean, if we focus on what he did in the mound, on the mound, obviously great stuff there. And this is a tough team to do it against. The San Francisco Giants have the best record in baseball. But, I mean, 80 wins for Milwaukee now, that's a good number, a nice round number as we get ready to wrap up August here. But you also saw Josh Hader coming out of the pen for his 28th save. You know that he is the backbone of that bullpen, and good bullpens are critical in October. The, Bre the Brewers have a back-end trio in their pen. Brad Boxberger, Devin Williams, Josh Hader. These guys have been improving as of late. In August, they've combined for a 0.25 ERA with five, sorry, 55 strikeouts versus 7 walks among them they've also stranded seven of 11 inherited runners in that span that's what you want to see with relief pitchers right how many runners can you strand on base because that's really what that's what matters obviously if you you pull your starter out of the game you're bringing in a reliever to stop the bleeding you want him to get that ground ball you want him to get that strikeout and leave those runners on base and that's what the brewers pitchers are doing right now so good stuff If we head out to the Midwest, Cardinals took on the Cincinnati Reds, and John Lester was on the mound for St. Louis. Veteran John Lester. I mean, this dude still sticks around. But the Cardinals actually gained some wild card ground yesterday behind John Lester's gem. He allowed just one hit over six and a third innings against the Cincinnati Ball Club that has been pretty good this year. So that's, that's very intriguing. 
you know, I, I didn't see any uh, Harrison Bader web gem because it seems like this dude puts on a web gem every day. Um, but I did see a Dylan Carlson sliding catch yesterday. I, I just love watching that uh, that Cardinals outfield play defense. You have Tyler O'Neill out and left, who has a gold glove already. Harrison Bader, who should be winning the gold glove this year. Dylan Carlson, who seems pretty decent out there and right. They put on a show. Put on a show, but thought I would mention that. And by the way, the National League Player of the Week for last week was Tommy Edmond. So, um, you know, Cardinals putting on some some good uh, performances here. National League Player of the Week last week was Edmond. American League Player of the Week was Salvador Perez. Not much of a surprise there by anybody. But Goldschmidt did hit a two-run homer. And then Giovanni Gallegos got the save. 3-1 win for the Cardinals over the Reds. Some news floating around. Yesterday, apparently, Joe Madden spoke to reporters and there is a possibility that the Angels shut down Mike Trout. So Trout continues to feel soreness in his right calf. I mean, after almost three and a half months on the injured list, it still remains to be seen whether or not he's going to return to action this year. But they said it's a possibility he might be shut down for the remainder of the season. Apparently, Mike Trout is trying to continue to fight and come back. But, you know, it gets to a point where the Angels said, like, you know, they might just have to be smart about it and shut it down for next year. They have to be realistic about it. You know, it came out recently that the issue that Trout was dealing with was a torn calf. So that's that's obviously worse than just like a calf strain, which is what we were initially told, which is obviously not good. It's going to take time to heal. And if after three and a half months he's still feeling pain, I mean, that's just a bummer. And it must have been a really serious calf tear, which is which is just sad for us to say because Trout was off to actually the best start of his career, as crazy as that is. The Hall of Fame career he has had, he was off to, you know, having just another huge season. And then all of a sudden, you know, that injury kind of made him shut it down after, what, like 30-something games? That's a bummer. Yeah, 36 games played. So if Trout does get shut down, we'll have to wait until next year to see him. And, you know, a lot of people are already saying that maybe he's going to end up like like Ken Griffey Jr., someone who is a Hall of Famer, but the second half of their career, they're just fighting a lot of nagging injuries, which would be a bummer. But that's why, this is why, like, when you talk about greatest of all time, you have to take longevity into account. You have to. The GOAT is not just the best player. It's the best player over an extended period of time. I'm talking 10, 15 plus years. He needs to play at least that amount of time, at least 10 to 15 years at an elite level to be in the GOAT conversation. So many players come through. I'm not, this is no shade of Mike Trout because he's already played 10 years in the big leagues, but I'm, I'm just speaking generally now. So many players in many sports will come through and they'll light the world on fire for a few years. Okay, fine. You've done it for three or four years. Do it for six or seven. Do it for 10. Do it for 12. Do it for 15 years. That's what it takes to be the GOAT when you're doing it. I mean, some guys have done it for 20 years or parts of 20 years, almost 20 years. That's what it takes to be put in the GOAT conversation. Mike Trout is still there. Definitely. I mean, he just turned 30. He's right in his prime. So obviously we can't we can't write his eulogy now and he's going to be back. But it's just something people think about because you've seen guys like Ken Griffey Jr., Mickey Mantle, I mean, Lou Gehrig, some of the greats just have their careers shut down due to injuries. And it just goes to show you how tough it is to 
be elite for a long time because the human body can only do so much. But we will end it there. Sorry to kind of leave you guys on a bit of a sad note, but it's okay. We'll have plenty more good things to say tomorrow. But that's going to do it. If you enjoyed this, please share it with someone who would be interested, and we'll see you next time on Baseball Connection.